You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio, it's The Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour number three will wrap up the week with the Speargrass Golf Show. Chris Dornan, media director of the Shaw Charity Classic, will join us. But right now on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, NHL and MLB Network's John Morosi. Good morning, sir. How are you? Outstanding, my friends. Thanks for having me on the show today. Really appreciate it. Always fun when you jump on. Um, John, I want to ask you about that Austin Matthews contract extension. When you saw it, what was your first blush? I like the AAV, but I don't really like the term. What were, what were your thoughts on him re-upping with the Leafs? I, I think that it's uh, honestly it's a great deal for Austin, and, and the Leafs are obviously extending their connection to one of the very best talents in the entire league. Which is, I think, it's hard to really argue it either way. For me, I mean, I, he, the way that Austin has played, the durability that he's shown, uh, I I think that he's someone that's going to stay a very elite player deep into his career uh, with, with his style of play. Uh, so I, I honestly like it for both sides. The, the Leafs believe that they've got a chance to win the cup in the next several years and you, you now extend your relationship with Austin through that time. Uh, again, l- like most things in uh, whether it's hockey or baseball, George, if you win, it looks great. And, and the yeah. Leafs, at least they were able to get out of the first round last year. Uh, I think they're liking their chances to win a cup while he's in a Leafs uniform, and, and they should. And I think that the one thing I've got with this division is going to be how, how tough it is because I really believe right. Buffalo's getting better. Detroit's clearly getting better, so maybe the path from from now to the playoffs will, will be a little more challenging, just just based on the quality, top to bottom. Not the least of which is the team that was the runner up in, in the Stanley Cup final last year. So tough division, but uh, it's it's hard to find a team that is more talented than the Leafs right now. I mean, the Lightning obviously are still in that conversation, but uh, I love love the deal for both sides, honestly. John, what's the temperature of the fan base uh, in Detroit right now with some of the moves Steve Eiserman's done? Like, obviously, I'm sure a lot of the fans love the Debrinka trade, but then he goes out and pulls off the Jeff Petrie deal and maybe some other right. questionable free agent signings. What, what's the temperature of the fan base in Detroit right now? Optimistic. Uh, I think this is the – I'll say this. This is probably the first year of the Eiserman era as, the, of course, as the GM – in which the Wings have brought about legitimate playoff expectations to the point that if they fall short, it'll be a profound disappointment. I don't think the fans last year, when the season began, said playoffs or bust, effectively. And, and I think that they're now at that point, which is good, which is where you should be in, in hockey town, after all. It's, it's the place that had this streak of incredible playoff appearances year after year for a couple decades, and and now they have to start a new streak. And when you look at the makeup of the roster, Debrinket will really help their power play. I think he's got a chance to be, in, in some ways, even more impactful than Bertuzzi was. Uh, you're expecting Raymond to have an even better year this year than he had last year. I think Larkin is really taking a step forward as, as your captain and, and a very, very impressive player. Obviously, on the back end, you got Zyder. Now you've added to, to him and, and brought in Hall, brought in Petrie, brought in Gossip Bear to help the power play. I like it. And I also think Andrew Kopp is going to be better in year two with the wing. So collectively, they've got, and I think this is important, they've got a lot of guys who understand the organization's history, who want to be here. 
Um, and, and again, I'm, I'm a Michigan native myself, but when you look at the roster and you see a lot of guys from this state who understand what the organization means to the people of Michigan and this region, you've got a captain who's from Waterford, uh, Andrew Coppas from Ann Arbor, Petrie grew up in the area, of course, his dad pitched for the Tigers, DeBrinkett's from here. There's a lot of guys that get it. And I think that's a really important step for the organization to now have those expectations. Goaltending, obviously, is always going to be a question, but I think they've addressed their, their depth there and improved that part of the club as well. It's just To me, there's not a lot of open spots for, for playoff bursts coming out of the Atlantic. Uh, you know, I mentioned the Panthers a moment ago. With all the injuries that they sustained during the run of the cup final, mm. you do wonder if they can bounce back and be as effective, especially early on in the season. And if the Wings can bank some wins early and get to a comfortable position, they may be able to get the playoffs for the first time in a, in a while and, and play what would be the first ever postseason games uh, at Little Caesars Arena. It's been, it's been a while, obviously, and, and I think uh, the people of Detroit are ready and the expectations now are exceedingly high. Good morning, John. Uh, earlier this week, we found out that the NHL and NHLPA are working to do international competition. Coming back 2025, the plan to go to the Olympics in 2026, then hold the World Cup and the Olympics every other year as it goes forward. What was your reaction to this announcement from the NHL and NHLPA? Thrilled. I mean, I'm a huge fan of international sports in general. Um, obviously, the, the, the Olympics uh, going to Italy, uh, that's going to be a landmark event. And, and if the NHL players especially are able to go, which it, it sounds like they will based on Bill Daly's comments, uh, we're about to see our first international best-on-best -best event uh, at, at this level in an Olympics. Now, obviously, we had the World Cup, and, and, and that was a great event back in 16, but we haven't seen best-on-best -best in the Olympics since Sochi, so it's been a while. And that will be 12 years uh, between Olympic tournaments that feature wow. NHL players. It's going to be a whole new generation of guys uh, to see McDavid in an Olympics, to see Austin Matthews in an Olympics. I, I think, you know, speaking from an American perspective, the, the, the optimism about the U.S.'s ability to compete against the best in the world and, and, and win a medal at the Olympics, um, I, I think the expectations are exceedingly high. You look at all the times that the U.S. has won the World Juniors or, or the under-18s in the last decade, those players are now all able to, to play in an Olympics. And, and this is now prime age. You think about that great final in the World Juniors from 2017 in Montreal, uh, the shootout. I mean, that group of players, uh, Keller, McAvoy, Fox, you know, that, that group of guys, they're all, they're all eligible now and, and could be the core of this team. You think about how many, how many Hughes brothers will be on the team, how many Kachucks will be on the team. It's going to be a really exciting uh, Team USA, which certainly is, is due for, a, for an Olympic medal and, and maybe even a gold. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch this, this team come together. And obviously Team Canada, you just think about all the talent that, that uh, Canada will have as well. So I can't get enough of it. I think the, the World Cup is going to be an amazing event in 25. The NHL has done a great job, uh, I think, of growing the game internationally. You think about going to Europe again this fall in Australia as well. Um, it, the, the, I just see such growth of the game around the world. You saw the Worlds in, in Latvia, the way that they played uh, in that event, uh, and, and just qualifying now for the Olympics, what that journey is going to be like. I mean, it's, it's here. It's upon us. In back-to-back -back years, World Cup Olympics, uh, the amount of growth that can happen in that amount of time is just is extraordinary. And as a fan of the international game, I, I can't wait. Uh, John Morosi, NHL and MLB Network, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, Big Show, Russick and Rose, 960.
the fan, John, I know you love talking hockey, but we also have you on to talk some baseball. Have you processed what this potential Tommy John surgery uh, would do to Shohei Otani? Because obviously he's the unicorn and he's an incredible hitter, but what makes Shohei Otani so special, he's also one of the best starting pitchers in baseball. Is is there a scenario where we don't see Shohei Otani next year at all because he's recovering from Tommy John? Like what What are the ramifications of this UCL injury that he has right now? Well, George, uh, it's a great question, and, and the short answer is we don't know yet. And and he has said, Shohei, uh, internally, and it's been reported that he wants to keep playing in the field as a DH right now uh, and then wait to see how things unfold uh, and what the final recommendation is with regard to surgery. You know, Sometimes there have been in the past uh, pitchers who are able to either uh, rehab a UCL injury, uh, do you go the platelet-rich plasma injection route? Do you go the 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 more express version of the of the internal bracing procedure? There are different ways that you can go about treating a, a, a UCL tear that might not involve an entire year's worth of recovery uh, from a Tommy John situation. So, but you're right. I mean, you look at the off season, and, and Shohei really has to decide what is most important to him. Does is it crucial to him that he be a starting pitcher? And if so, what does that mean for his recovery timetable? Is, it, is he comfortable coming back as a reliever? Um, does he want to just extend with the, with the Angels if he's going to have a procedure, take a, a year or two deal there during his rehab process, and then try to go hit the open market again after 25 when he's shown that he's healthy? Because there are a lot of different ways he can handle this, guys. Uh, I just think it's going to be a really interesting uh, situation to see exactly what his priority is. I think the next steps that he takes, how often he plays, where, where he goes from here, I think it really is dependent upon what the doctors say and then what Shoei wants to do. But uh, I, I want to make one quick point on, on what we saw from him in general. The fact that Shohei got the news about the UCL in between games on Wednesday and went out there and had a monster second game um, as an offensive player is just an extraordinary tribute to his love for the game, his athleticism, his toughness, his professionalism. He's a special guy, and I think we saw that in so many ways on Wednesday. John, is he is he potentially is there a chance that he may never pitch again and just concentrate on being a DH and outfielder? Because obviously he's still a five tool player that way. But at the same time, we don't understand and I don't think can grasp the amount of pressures and attention that guy has back home in Japan. Would would he even let himself, you know, not be this unicorn? Like how important is it that he does both of those things even for the people back home? that he does both of those things. Is that maybe something we're not taking into consideration enough? Well, it's a great question, and, and that obviously is, is, is a question of culture and, and what Shoei believes is important for him to do uh, for the game, uh, to your point, for, for the Japanese baseball community. He's already done it in terms of proving that he can excel doing both in this country. Right. I don't think anybody... Uh, with with, uh, with a degree of, of rational perspective on this, would say, well, Shohei, you still have something to prove to all of us. I just I can't see that being a, a a reasonable critique. He's already done things that no one's ever done before. So I, I honestly think that whatever whatever he decides to do comes from him internally, and, and not so much what 
anyone else in the U.S. or Japan wishes for him to do. I think it's important to remember that when this whole journey started, you know, there was a, a suggestion at one time when he was an amateur player in Japan that he might have signed directly with a major league team, which is typically not done. It's a, it's a breach of protocol. While technically legal, it, it is something that has happened before. Junichi Chizawa, the former Red Sox reliever, is one such example. But with, with respect to Shohei, one of the reasons why he signed with the Hokkaido Nippon Ham Fighters was that his manager there, Hideki Kuriyama, who actually became the manager of the Japanese national team at the World Baseball Classic this year, uh, Kuriyama-san very notably said to Shohei, I believe that you can do both, and I will give you the opportunity to do both. And that opportunity for Shohei was one of the reasons why he opted to sign and stay in Japan as opposed to coming to MLB directly as a teenager. And that's, so that's important to him. That's part of his identity. He has, he has wanted to push the limits of the game of, of himself and constantly test his own ability to do it. Now, he's already had one Tommy John surgery. This would be a second one if he has to have it. Um, that's asking a lot of him. It's asking a lot of your body to go through that. But he's still a, a young man, and, and it wouldn't surprise me if he wants to try, still try to achieve that, that mountaintop of, of being a two-way player for a playoff team or being a two-way player for a World Series team. Ultimately, he wants to win more than anything else. He has been on a team that has gotten close to having a winning record and gotten close to the playoffs in the Angels but never actually gotten there. And he is, as you saw in the World Baseball Classic, a winner at his core. So um, I, I think he wants to still test his limits, achieve all that he can in, in baseball. And it's not just financial for him. It really isn't. If it was financial, he would have made an entirely different decision when he came over to begin with. I think he's a special person who has always just sought to challenge himself and, and let the financial part of it and let the, let the adulation of, of people on both sides of the Pacific let that handle itself and just focus on the pride that he takes in his craft. And so if, if I were to guess, educated guess, he's not ready to give up pitching yet, but I think ultimately he'll respect the, the advice that he gets from his doctors. So, John, how does this change the projection of his next contract, or is it too early to say? Are we going to have to wait a couple more weeks to see what his decision ultimately, ultimately ends up being on surgery or not, and, and really, I guess, pitching in the future? Right. I, I think to your point, Matt, it's, there's, there's so much uncertainty there that it's, that it's almost impossible to, to gauge it right now. Um, you know, if he were to say, I, I want to go into free agency this offseason and, and I want to try to hit the, the longest-term deal that I can for the most guaranteed dollars like I was going to think about doing previous to this injury, uh, I, I think that the, the offers will come in a lot lighter in years and dollars than it would have otherwise just because of the uncertainty surrounding his his elbow. Does he make a different approach and say, I just want to go with the most lucrative two-year deal that I can in the place that's the best for me to recover from a surgery and then re-enter the open market after 25? I think that's a very plausible path to take as well. Uh, but, but it really just comes down to what he prioritizes here. I mean, there's, there's no way to say that the impact of this is small because it's not. It's a massive impact because it, it changes the fundamental nature of what Shohei can do. I think the other the other question that we haven't really delved into yet, and, and probably he'll think about at some point, is does he consider becoming either 
a a hitter and a closer or a hitter and a position player as opposed to being a hitter and a starter. And if that's the case, um, even if you're going to be a right fielder or a first baseman, you still have to throw. So how could his UCL handle it? It almost then becomes a story like Bryce Harper, who had to have the surgery, missed some time this year just to come back and, and be a DH and then eventually become a first baseman. So there's a lot of questions right now with Shohei, what he wants to do, what he's comfortable doing, um, and I just think that going forward, it's really going to be a matter of what his priorities are and how they align with with the medical reality of, of what's going on in his elbow. Now, for the Angels as a whole, it you know I get going all in when you've got a hand that you like, pushing your chips to the middle, but as we sit here a few weeks after the trade deadline, it feels like they didn't look at their cards, and lo and behold, you got a 2-7 off suit here. Like, how are the Angels feeling about how the last couple of weeks have gone? Well, it's devastating, and it's not just Otani. It's it's Trout going back on the injured list. Nothing has gone according to plan for them since the trade deadline. That is for sure. But I would say this. I I am not going to be the one that criticizes the approach they took because at the end of the day, uh, that was an ownership-level decision that was made with with two things in mind, really. Number one, giving your fans a chance to see playoff baseball and number two, showing to Shohei that you were going to do everything you could to put a winning team around him and convince him that that was the place to stay. And when you make the decisions based on what you believe is right for your fans, who, who pay their harder money to watch you play, and also the chance that you have to, to keep the most unique player that we've ever seen in the history of the game, I, I have a hard time second-guessing that. Did they optimize their, their resources? No. But that's not what sports are all about. Always. Sometimes it is, but it's not about that right now. Uh, when you've got someone this unique, and, and at that time, obviously, there was no indication that he was injured. Uh, you know, at the early days of August, he had just shut out the Tigers over nine innings in one of the more remarkable performances we'd ever seen in baseball in terms of one day with homering and, and shutting out in the same day. It's just he, he was at the peak of his powers at that point. So um, did the decision work out? No. Was it the wrong decision when they made it? No, I'm not going to say that because I, I think that they, they did it for the right reasons and, and not every decision made for the right reasons ends up working out. I think that's the story right here. John, should Blue Jays fans have enough faith that this offense can get them to the postseason? Because I think uh, the prevailing thought, well, at least some of the guests I've talked to, is that get this team into the playoffs based on their rotation and their bullpen They'd be a force in the postseason. Can they hit enough to get into the playoffs to hold off the Mariners, the Astros, the Red Sox, and even the Rays here? Can they? Sure. Will they, based on what hmm. we've seen? Uh, <laughs> I am a little dubious about that. Uh, th- this is a team, to your point, the pitching has been one of the best in baseball since the All-Star break, and really all season long. But we keep waiting for this yeah. team to show that they're special offensively, and they consistently underwhelm. In this series, they win the opener against Baltimore. Optimism is high. Boom, they lose two in a row. They are not able to consistently hit and beat good pitching in high-profile series against quality teams. Period. They're not able to do it. Look at their record in the division against the, the toughest divisional competition that we've got in baseball Look at their record of the American League East. They are a, they're a good team that is able to beat 
mediocre pitching and poor pitching on a consistent basis and is often not able to beat really good pitching because it seems to me that their offensive plan does not work well against guys that command the ball exceptionally well. That was the case the last couple of days. It's not, they're not getting overwhelmed with 99 and 100. They, they cannot hit guys that command. And at the end of the day, in, in October, you're going to see guys who have both stuff and command. So <laughs> can they get there? Sure they can, because you've got teams like Texas that have really struggled. Houston is in a bad run of form as well. The Mariners might end up actually winning the division. But my degree of confidence in the Jays eventually getting to where we thought they should be, which is the ALCS and beyond, is actually quite low. Because uh, in, a, in a short series, in a high-pressure series, I'm not seeing the likes of, of Laddie uh, and even Chapman or Springer um, answer the bell uh, in terms of being able to really drive in key runs against, against tough pitching. So um, the pitching that they've got is great. And we'll keep them in the conversation. I, I see almost no way in which they fall out of this thing before the end of the of the month, because the, the end of our, uh, September, I mean, because the, the pitching will allow them to keep winning ball games. But when you talk about winning series against quality teams, you've got to hit the ball in the big moments, and they have not shown an ability to do that. John Morosi, MLB and NHL Network. John, always a pleasure. Thanks for the hockey talk. And thanks for the insights on Shoei Otani. Thanks for this, pal. My, my pleasure, guys. I'm excited to see the Flames. Uh, you know, Craig Conroy's got a great plan there, and I'm, I'm excited to see how this team plays out here for, for the next couple of years. Uh, well, I, I'm going to ask you one more quick hockey question because we talked to Justin Bourne. Pacific Division, best division in hockey? Uh, that's a great question. I, I, I mean, maybe I'm a little biased, but I, I think the Atlantic might be. I mean, I think okay. it's between those yeah. two. Um, I just think that trying to get to the dance – Sheer talent. If you look at if you look at Toronto and, and obviously the defending cup the cup finalists there in, in Florida, and then you got Tampa, the perpetual can, candidates and contenders. You see, obviously Buffalo getting better, Detroit getting better. I, I I'm going to go Atlantic, even though out west. I mean, I think we're all just kind of wondering when uh, you know when McDavid gets to the you know to a cup final. I know obviously it's not a popular opinion there in Calgary, but <laughs> I, I just think that 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 team is is has so much talent as well. It's it's between those two divisions. I'm going to give the the the, the narrowest of edges though to the Atlantic. Okay, that's fair. Thanks for this, pal. Let's do it again soon. All, all the best, guys. Thank you, John Morosi on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Guy loves his hockey, loves it. Oh, yeah, and he Big loves the international guy. play. I knew that was going to be right up his alley. Yeah, yeah he does. He covers the under-18s. and mm-hmm. uh, He's done the World Juniors. Yeah, like they, He's done a lot of stuff. Uh, Morose, he's a, he's, a, he's a five-tool player when it comes to media. Super smart guy, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Wife's yeah. smarter. Yeah, his I, wife's a brain surgeon. She's super smart, too. Is she actually? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Harvard. What? Yeah. I thought John brain surgeon was just something yeah. we said in I, passing. No. Yeah, and and John went to Harvard. So. Harvard. Both Their conversations at dinner are a lot different than your conversations at dinner, Maddie. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I'm disparaging you. Who's that? Our one broadcasting diploma between us. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. it ain't from the guy talking. It's not mine. Yeah. yeah, my community college broadcasting <laughs> the diploma. The guy who just coughed in the mic is definitely not mine. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, the way you got this job was awesome. It's a great story. <laughs> I love it. Hey, it's yeah. one of Derek's favorite stories to tell, yep. and I appreciate that. Yep.
Yeah. It's, you kind of fell into it. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> uh, hard work, perseverance, and yeah. just a smidgen just, of luck. Hey, it just took just me 15 a, years to get this job. Yeah. It's a long journey. It took me 10. Settle down. Okay. Just saying. Took me two trips to get to this point. <laughs> Went back into the real now. workforce. Went and back said, into the real nah, world. No. For me. Look at us now. <laughs> Can't do it. And look at us now talking about just say no to a wedding party uh, invitation <laughs> when you're not that close. Hey, look by the way, now. is anybody able to just skip out on their entire weekend and uh, join me for a golf trip? Uh, my fourth has blown out his hamstring. What? Yeah. Oh. No, that's 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 uh, that's fake news. Uh, I will show you the picture, dude. <laughs> oh, okay. Is, has the muscle torn away from the bone? Um, there is a possibility. You can tape it up. Yeah, it's yeah. golf. <laughs> I I don't know what the plan is right now. There is moving and there is a shaking. Okay, so text nine sixty nine sixty if you want to go on Maddie's golf trip with him. Nine sixty nine sixty name and location. <laughs> Because we're doing the Speargrass Golf Show. Um, you want to go uh, on a golfing trip with Maddie? Where are you going? <laughs> we're going Kimberly and uh, Cranbrook. Yeah, and you got to pay for your own way, too. It's not like you're winning a prize. Yeah, no. The smoke died down? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This yeah. this particular area is going to be better, Good. especially yeah, compared nine... to where I was last weekend. Did I show you the video of last oh, yeah. weekend? Yeah, yeah, you're on the boat. Oh, it looked like, uh, looked like the mist. That yeah. Movie. On one hand, you're like, man, we shouldn't be here. But on the other hand, you're like, man, the summer season—that's all they have for tourists and all that type of stuff—and you feel bad pulling your money out. But it was no good. This will be better. Uh, we got to get to the break and do the Speargrass Golf Show mm-hmm. and talk to our man Chris Dornan, yes, uh, media sir. director from the Shaw Charity Classic. And I will ask him if maybe he wants to be your fourth on your golf trip. Nine sixty nine sixty name and location. Uh, we'll do all of that next. It's the Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet nine sixty, the Fan. Live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio, it's the Big Show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan. Uh, Canada leading France 43-40 at the half in their opener at the FIBA World Cup in Indonesia. Rudy Gobert's handing out, out, he's handing out elbows like uh, yeah samples at Costco. Canada's had some trouble with the size of the French a little bit in the paint. What I've seen so far. But Shea Gilgis Alexander looks like one of the best players on the planet because oh, he is. The highlights every time I'm scrolling. That Eurostep. <laughs> Smooth. Is Eurostep traveling? Anyway, um, we wrap up the week. Not if you score, am I right? Every week. with the Yeah, with the Speargrass Golf Show. Brought to you by Speargrass Golf Course, Canada's most friendly. and Canada's and Calgary's most friendly and relaxed oh, golf okay. experience. Just 30 kilometers southeast of the city uh, on the line right now our pal media director from the shaw charity classic chris Storning. chris good morning how are you good morning i'm very well how are you guys good thanks for jumping on um is it are, are you still in the afterglow of how successful the tournament <laughs> was like how do you power down after being so incredibly busy uh you know leading up to and during the tournament well are you ready for this i'm actually yes. at the airport <laughs> i'm uh Heading to Montreal for a three-day conference, um, okay. and then and meeting the family, and we're going to Disney World. How about that? <laughs> wow. Okay. Good for you. So that, that, that that's rest and relaxation, right? <laughs> that's not bad. I I don't have children, so I that's TBD. I think I have no idea if there's rest or relaxation about going to Disney World. I've only done it as a tag along, and are you, I don't think are my you parents a ride were guy, very Chris? rested. 
Are you going to jump on the ride. rides? Are you a ride guy? I'll do I'll do roller coasters. I won't do the spinning stuff anymore. Mm, so okay. you yeah. and I are like we like you, you grew up like literally the street over from where I did. Um, <laughs> right. he, I'm a roller coaster but can't spinny guy. Like you and I vibe so well, Chris. It's incredible. Um, <laughs> wanted to ask you when does the courting begin for next year's edition of the tournament? When do you start talking to guys? Well, we, not far away, I mean, we really, this week is really about, it's actually just a debrief week, and, you know, you're sort of wrapping everything up, we'll be, our operations crew kind of takes two weeks to uh, to tear down the course, um, so that'll be wrapped up over by next week, and then, you know, really, we, with this tournament, there's so much focus is on the children's charity, so um, our, our donation program's open until the end of August, and then we put a wrap on that birdies for kids program um, in September and, and we're, we're hoping that we'll be able to announce what our, our total donations were this year um, by the end of September. And then really you start, you start getting in the room and planning for next year. It's kind of a full year deal. And um, you know, the players will start to wind down now with the tour championships going on. And um, by January, you start, you start going out to different events and staying in touch with agents and players and, and bringing them back and, and sort of, telling what, what the city and the tournament has to offer. The players always talk about how this is one of the top stops on the tour. How can you try to improve on that every year when you have a reputation of being one of the best tournaments to come to as a player? How can you try and make that even better for these players as you go year after year after year? Yeah, and I, you know, I, I, well, I think one thing we always try to do is is always try to find one or two or, you know, a handful of, of new names that come to the city. And obviously we did that this year with Stuart Zink and David Duvall and Nota Begay and, and just bringing new personalities from the tour to, to the event. And then, you know, trying new things. So you know, it has to be more than just golf. I think, you know, as, as a parent of, of two kids, I, I know their <laughs> capacity of watching golf will be limited. So, hmm. so what can we have to offer these kids? And, you know, we, we tried to have a bigger fan zone this year. You know, we brought it out by the 16th, 17th hole. But, you know, then bringing in the Rogers Legends of Hockey on Saturday, you know, it's, it's yeah. not that hundreds of thousands of people come out for it, but the reality is there's, you know, there's 1,000, 2,000 more people that come out and, you know, they, they're, they're fascinated by hockey and they want to be around hockey players. And so we're able to sort of connect those events. So that's something we always try to to do is, is tie in sort of local community heroes into the event. And, and that will bring in a, a different demographic of people that it, that maybe aren't, aren't at a golf course regularly. So you have the hockey players coming out to play. You obviously have the pros. Tell us a little bit about Blake's women's day and what that can kind of turn into moving forward. Yeah. Well, I think that's a, that's a big one that we, we try to, well, we kick off every tournament week with women's day. And really that the foundation of that was, you know, our regular pro-ams on Wednesday and Thursday, it's, it was probably 99% men, um, if not close to 100%. Like, um, so we thought, you know what, we, we have to create an opportunity for, for women to feel comfortable to come and play in a, you know, under, inside the ropes of a PGA Tour-style event. And so we created Women's Day with Blake's, um, I guess, about seven years ago. And, you know, it's, it's a it's you know, it's a lot of corporate women, it's community leaders, community builders. So it presents a networking opportunity. We often, we try to bring in, you know, high profiled women from the world of golf or sport um, or business to, to do motivational uh, speaking opportunities to them. 
um, and, and make it a fun day all around, threaded around golf. And so, you know, it was another successful sold-out event this year. Um, the women had a blast. It's the first time that they played 18 holes um, under the, the same format as the Pro-Am where we had, you know, individual tee times and we had the starter out there calling their names. So it's about building comfort um, and networking around, around golf. Chris Dornan, media director for the Shaw Charity Classic, joining us here on the Speargrass Golf Show. It's the big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. How fun was it watching those hockey players try to hit straight golf shots, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I got to tell you guys, like, I love bringing athletes from different sports into golf. And, and, and then I love to even and break it down even more when you, you bring team sport athletes into golf uh, versus individual sport athletes. And I find individual sport athletes like alpine skiers or you know luge athletes or whatever they have a they have a whole new level of focus that maybe the team sport athletes don't always have and so it was funny really actually to just watch them sweat and um prior to hitting that first tee shot on the 10th hole and mary philippe poulin was just taking deep breaths deep breaths and then she she was about we were about to head to the tee and she walked over to me and she's like oh my god i'm so nervous and I was like, yeah, an Olympic overtime is nothing compared to this. And she said, that is, she's like, that is easy. This is hard. And so, you know, it just, it just gives a, an appreciation of how incredibly hard this game is on its own when no one's watching. You put five people watching and it's even harder. And then you put them in front of a few thousand people and, and you know, they're gasping for air. So um, I thought it was awesome, you know. They were all fantastic. You know, they they were great with the fans. They gave so much time signing autographs and photos. And, you know, it took a few holes for them to settle in, but they, they put on a great show. Where's the best place to watch uh, the tournament from in your eyes? Do you like to walk? Do you like first tee, watch the first drive? 18th green is always the, the favorite. But where do you like yeah. to uh, hang out? I I, you know, when I go to a golf tournament, I generally like to just, if it's a new course, I like to kind of walk the course first and just sort of mm-hmm. see the property and enjoy what golf has to offer. And that's being outdoors and trees and water. And um, so I do that first. And then I generally like to just park myself on a hole. And so, you know, at Canyon Meadows, you kind of got that corner out at the end there um, near Anderson where it's 15, 16, 14 pole. You can kind of see them all. Um, but then we got that great setup there at Canyon where the, the pro shop is right in the middle of the first tee, the 10th tee, the ninth green, the 18th green. And so that's the spot to be. That's the hub of activity, I, I think, at, at our event for sure. Chris, how cool is it going to be next year in the city of Calgary when you guys have the Shaw Charity Classic and then just a few weeks before the CP Women's Open is in the city too? Like Calgary is going to be the yeah. mecca of Canadian golf in like a three-week span. Yeah, we, we've had that a few years ago where I think we were, we might have been the the week, the first week, or the, the women were out at Pritis a week before or something like that. And so it definitely presents um, opportunities, you know, to, to cross-promote. And, and I think those are two great similar tours where, you know, you've got a lot of high-profile um, players on, on both the, the LPGA and, and the Champions Tour. You know, you've got a lot of really fun personalities. Um, and then you got people that are still grinding and slogging away. And, I, you know, I, I think it's going to be, it's going to provide a little bit of, of something for everything. You know, I have, I have a daughter who's getting into the game and, you know, she, she loves watching Brooke Henderson and it just inspires her to, to, to get out there and play and hit a ball. And I, and I think, 
whether it's the women or, or the men. And, you know, like we, we have a lot of heroes that are on that champion's tour that we grew up watching. And so I think it's great what Calgary's doing. It's showing that we're an event city. Um, major events want to come here, um, and we need to continue to, to grow on these. So, hmm. How much synergy was it that a guy wins his first uh, champion's tour event in his 100 start and was a former Canadian uh, team tour member in Ken Duke? So awesome. Hey, like I, I, Wes Gilbertson wrote an article, I think it was on the Friday of, of the, it was almost like a, a meeting place of the Canadian tour of Canadian tour alumni. And it was pretty cool of, of having him talk to like Ken Duke and Stuart Appleby and Nota Begay and Mike Weir and all these guys talking about how they really got their professional start, um, you know, on the Canadian tour and whether it's, you know, driving through BC and all the way across to Prince Edward Island and sleeping in their cars. And then to have Ken Duke who, you know, he had billet families that he used to billet with up in Lacombe there on the 18th hole, um, you know, there to watch it. I, I just thought it was so cool. And, you know, I don't, I don't know if you guys have watched the full swing documentary, but I, I always tell people that I, in my job, one of the, the most gratifying things is, being with athletes after, after they've accomplished something so significant. So, you know, mm-hmm. being with an athlete 20 minutes after winning an Olympic medal or a golfer that has won the first time, first event. And, you know, I'm privileged enough that the media guy takes them from that victory ceremony to the media center and you got that five minutes with them. And I'll tell you, it was really, really cool with Ken Duke because he had his moment and he got on the cart and we're just drove away out of the crowd. And it's like, shock became reality and he's like i never saw the putt go in hey <laughs> and I, I was like what are you talking about and he goes the putt i never even saw it go in i just knew and like he had this sort of euphoric moment where it all just it, it all just came became real for him in, in sort of that split second and so that's the moments i love those are the moments i cherish and uh you know he's just a great champion and i i just love seeing people who've been grinding it out finally come through and and succeed uh chris dornan is the media director at the shaw charity classic uh chris terrific job with the tournament we look forward to already 2024 and let's get on the course ourselves in the near future okay i was gonna say i think maddie and i have a rematch that we uh that we're ready for i'm bringing yeah. gvp though <laughs> yeah for I, sure. i gotta bring my ringer my safety net <laughs> yeah let, let's do it uh let's do that soon uh terrific stuff chris thanks for this Awesome. Thanks for all your support, guys. There he is on the Speargrass Golf Show. And that was the Speargrass Golf Show. Yes, sir. Brought to you by Speargrass Golf Course, mm-hmm. Calgary's most friendly and relaxed golf experience, just 30 kilometers southeast of the city. Um, I'm watching Canada put a beat down on the French right now. Oh, this third quarter's yummy, boys. Linux at three. Hey, hey, Patrick, would you say the French want to surrender right now? Would yeah. you say that? They're waving them flags, yeah. They're white flags. Crickets. No, I get you. Eat that, Rudy. Napoleon did that a lot. (laughs) Here we go. (laughs) Um, Canada up. Okay, put the giant banner down. Okay, here it is. (laughs) Canada up 62-44 with a buck 40 to go in the third quarter right now. Yeah, France has scored four points this entire quarter. Yeah, defense. Defense. Fournier. Uh, And Fournier's gone cool. You guys um, just want to do play-by-play for the next nine minutes? Well, this is this plays really well for the podcast. Yeah, yeah like yeah, we're yeah. we're trashing the French right now. Surrender, we'll and then, like, and the French storm back and win in the fourth Top quarter. Top of the key, like, idiots. 
moves it into the bar. And one. And one. I think <laughs> Dylan Brooks, the and one, he's showing his muscles. I think one of my uh I think one of my greatest sports takes of all time uh-huh. is that Dylan Brooks looks like a cobra. <laughs> I, he's getting booed, I, I man. Yes, yeah. He I looks saw, like a cobra. Saw, Look at him. I don't know. He's getting I've booed by the by the locals people. in Indonesia there because uh, they, yeah. they they bashed his boy LeBron. Arash about- said every time he touches the ball, he's getting booed ferociously. Patrick, I yeah. think he looks like a cobra. Arash right? used a different. Yeah, I, I'm seeing that now. He's got he's got the 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 the, the pointy chin. And and I way it goes up, it kind of looks like the fin, the fans that you have behind a cobra's head. There, no, I I'm totally not get it. it. I no, get I'm it. not seeing it. And I Again. usually, I usually equate humans when I look at them to what animal <laughs> they look like, and I don't see yeah. it. I don't know. Dylan Brooks looks like a cobra to me. Uh, Canada up sixty five forty four. Buck ten to go here in the third quarter. Um, and we have a again peek behind the curtain of uh, the inner workings of such an incredible, successful radio show like the Big Show is. <laughs> um, we have a group chat. Yes. And uh, Maddie sent me the pic of his buddy with the hamstring injury. I'm a believer now that that thing is nasty. <laughs> I don't think he's coming. <laughs> I don't think he yeah, can walk. Like the blood inside his leg from the tear is not good. No. That does not look good. Yeah. He, he one-upped Kevin Hart. Well, <laughs> yes. not really. Kevin Hart yeah. actually he should. Those injuries buddy, Kevin Hart suffered were pretty bad. Your buddy should probably at least go to like a physiotherapist or some sort of medical professional I think to get his, that looked at. I think his better half is a physiotherapist, oh, look at that. and that was after physio. Oh, oh my god, because it doesn't that doesn't look very golf friendly. Let me tell you. <laughs> no, I didn't like. Listen, I don't know how much hammies you need in golf. Like probably some, but not a lot. Yep. But sit my ass down. This is forty four. Yes, sir. Like Kevin Hart said. So um, yeah, you, uh, we're, <laughs> hey, we're taking them, taking offers. So uh, Steve in Auburn Bay, married with a toddler, fourteen handicap, Kimberly golf trip experience, uh, one to two beer to hole ratio on the course, strong hamstrings, guy, uh, guys, guy. I need this is my favorite part. Yeah, <laughs> I, I like need that he. This. The thing that confused me about his is it just says Kimberly golf trip experience, like he like. He's selling a Kimberly golf experience. Are you like that? It's just in the middle there. It's like, here's my details. And then he just put what we're doing in the middle. So I'm, I don't know. He's like, I got this. I can do this golf trip. <laughs> Guys, I need this. Guys, guy. Okay. I don't know what that means necessarily, but that's okay. I mean, he's not going to, he's not going to go, you know, he's just a guy you want around. He's, he's, yeah. he's going to be a good guy to talk. Yeah, he's yeah, just yeah. one of the boys. Yeah. yeah. Boys out there. Yeah. Talk guys about, being dudes. Talk about butts and make our own beef jerky. <laughs> Whatever. And our own brew our own beer. <laughs> Wait, you and your boys talk about butts all the time? Oh, it's so much butts. Just tons of butts. Okay. <laughs> Stop it. Uh, there's, there's a lot of, there's guys who want it. There's guys who, Joey Webb, Maddie. if it was maybe Tuesday and this offer was open, I'd be in. I'd even drive. You kids have fun and hit them straight. You're well, just, the, the date doesn't work for your boy, Joey. The problem is, like, I got this text at 1220 yesterday. Like, I was snoozing. Uh, I woke up to this. and Scrambling mode right now. Oh, yeah. We are in uh, Omaha. Omaha. GVP, what you doing this weekend? I got to run a Jays game tomorrow. Oh, that's yeah, right. It doesn't matter. Just come on the trip. Well, nobody can cover that? Art can cover it. I don't know. I, just, I could do it. Make Art do it. Extra money? Yeah. Mm. Okay. All right. We, we're leaving um, in 30 minutes. Wait, so pack your bags. Wait. <laughs> got stuff um, to do, I have a property on uh, Colomere Lake, which is 45 minutes from Cranbrook. Uh, Cranbrook. Oh, and I have a boat. Ah, oh, Maddie. 
I'm not going to have time for boating. Full weekend of golf. What are you talking about? Okay. Well, the guy's trying to sell. I agree. That's very nice. But mm -hmm. now, Gabe in Calgary, this is my guy. (laughs) Okay. Listen to this, Gabe in Calgary. I'm an absolute garbage golfer, but I'll bring all the left handed cigs you can smell. Hell yeah. (laughs) You know you want to. And he spelled two the wrong way. But that's fine. That's okay. Left handed darts in the mornings. I'll leave to that. No problem. Gets me through the day. I had game in Calgary. <laughs> seems like your speed. Yeah. Oh yeah. Me. Yeah. Oh yeah. Lockstep, baby. This will work. Yeah. Um. GVP, do you have that audio I sent you earlier this morning? Yeah, I got it. Um. So before we go, there's two things I want to do. Do you have plays of the week? Yep. Yes. Yeah, I got those. Like again, I don't pump this up enough, but I I want like <laughs> <It's> so good. <laughs> anyway, we got to discuss things. It's anyway. my favorite sh- part of the week. Yeah. By the okay. Way. So we'll do that and. Uh, you know how the uh, the old Arian Foster story yeah. came out that yes. the NFL is a script? Yes. Scripted. So the NFL actually did like a, a thing on this yesterday, and mm-hmm. I think it's actually very well done. I agreed. Very clever. So uh, here's that little piece of audio, and we'll discuss. Hit it on the big show there, GVP. All right, everyone. Last season was a smash. Ratings gold, but this year's script has to top it. So welcome to the table read for the 104th season of the NFL. Let's get to work. Yes, Jalen. I thought this was the dress rehearsal. Oh, sorry. Week one, fourth quarter, 302 left. Jamar leaps up and makes a no-handed catch. No hands. How? <laughs> I don't need hands. I'll just catch you with my abs. We can call it the Abracagabra. <laughs> Might as well send the ball to Canton now. What if we wrote the Mahomes character out of the script entirely? Yes. Yeah. Wrote him yes. over. Yeah. Guys, not cool. Who said that? She did. You're an actor, Patrick. Act like one. Boring. What if we played shirts versus skins? Ooh. I like it, Kirko. What if we replace my legs with actual wheels? I love it. What if Derrick Henry stiff arms a guy into another? It'd be possible for us to get to page two. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, no, the NFL knows how to sell. Um, they know how to make. They know how to have fun with themselves. Who's that? Yeah, that was Derek Wills. Oh, Derek Wills is in the building. Oh wow. my god! By the way, Patrick Mahomes, like he had two lines, and he and he had to sound as stiff as possible in those two lines. Yeah, like the thing is, you have to kind of understand who the players are. Like for the audio, like Jalen Ramsey is wearing full Dolphins here when he says, <laughs> "I thought yeah. this was the dress rehearsal." Oh, it's Jamar Chase. So it's kind of funny. Justin Fields wants yeah, his shirt off yeah. and well, all the it, chains, it, like we saw on the plane ride the, home the, from the guy. Wayne. The guy who talks about his abs is obviously DK Metcalf. I don't need hands. I just. Catch you with my abs. We can call it the Abracagabra. <laughs> That's pretty good. Pretty All right. good. Yeah, Kurt. Justin Fields wants his legs replaced with wheels. What if we yeah. replace my legs with actual wheels? I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's fine. Kurt, it's Cous- Kurt Cousins. What if we played shirts versus skins? I love it's so good. I like yeah, it, it Kirko. I like it, Kirko. Now, the NFL's full of uh, tons of characters. This league is... It's a mecca, man. It's so I'm so excited for it to start. Yeah, it's getting there. Um, before we go, what do you got coming up on Mucho Big Show? Well, we're going to talk uh, the Canadian version of the football. <laughs> we're going to talk to a little CFL with uh, Justin Dunk, uh, break down last mm. night's Bombers Al, set up the Stamps and Argos. And, uh, oh, there's another Rourke brother coming, and he's really good. Mm. Cool. Yes. Mm. Um, I don't know. I saw his week. highlights yesterday on the TV. A lot of ducks. I don't know. No. Uh, GVP, how long <laughs> is uh, the week that was for us here? Two minutes. It's always two minutes. Two minutes. Okay, two minutes. All right, we'll say goodbye with uh, what we did uh, this past week, which probably wasn't much, but we'll do it anyway. And uh, we'll talk to you on Monday. Bye. Bye.
This is the best of the worst of the big show with Russick and Rose. Didn't have enough boobs and fighting for me. <laughs> no, there's boobs in Oppenheimer. Yeah, there's a scene. Yeah, but he didn't have enough, scenes, George. Scenes, plural, Patrick. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a couple steamy scenes. <laughs> yep. Nice. But he only got 18 minutes in, so... No, no. He, he, got, he watched the whole listen. thing. He got 18 minutes into Interstellar and almost left, yeah. but stuck it out. But how but long he did he... St- of, he walked out of Oppenheimer? He walked out of Oppenheimer? Stupid idiot. You don't have a distinguished Calgary <laughs> accent <laughs> yeah. like us. Yes. Yes. You country um, right. bumpkin. GVP, do you have a movie that everyone loves that you hate? Uh, John Wick. What? what? Yeah. <laughs> Those movies stink. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. I, I also want to dump on the entire genre of horror films as well. All of those suck, too. But saying John Wick is a bad movie that last is probably movie. the worst take we've ever had on this show. NFL on uh, analyst. NFL on analyst. NFL on CBC analyst. We say good morning to our man, Ross Tucker. Ross, good morning. How are you? I'm doing great, but what's the CBC? Do you say I'm a CBC analyst? Has taken a lot of heat for that because he was the associate coach in charge of the power play. Sorry, my earbud just fell out. La la la, eye surgery. <laughs> Let's do it now. I'm happy. La. Cut me open. Go ahead. Maybe have Eric Francis and Brett Cron prop pop eye. Yep. Yeah. Those, Popeye. Yeah. Like my mouth's broken this morning again. <laughs> have guys like Darton Va- Va- Darton Dalton Varsho. Darton Valsho. <laughs> He's my favorite player. Darton that Walsh. Darton Valsho. <laughs> yeah. I, again, and that's what makes Bobus uh, Bobus. <laughs> Bo Bice, uh, American Idol uh, finalist. Or he won. Bo Bice won American Idol, didn't he? Bottom of the hour. Flames head coach and general manager Dave Dickinson will join us. You sure about that? Just give me a pickle. <laughs> give him your pickle. Uh, what about- the Big Show with George Russick and Maddie Rose. Weekdays when you wake up.